Okay, we wait. Here we go. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is November twenty seventh, twenty twenty. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Samali. I'm Vim Shanmugam. What's up, Vim? Doing well. Doing well. Another week done. Yay! On to the next. Oh my God, was it like I don't know? We have like one more month left in the year. What the hell does this mean? Yeah, how, I mean, honestly, like time flew by, but there were definitely a few months where I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Uh huh. So like time doesn't feel like a real concept right now. Is all I'll say. That's my hot take for the day. Yeah, and I like how people are saying that you know,、uh, it's going to be 2021 soon. New year,、yeah. new fun. <laughs> But yeah, like the pandemic knows when the new year is, you know.、Mm-hmm. So、um, yeah, as as always, you know, we hope that、uh, everything is under control and things go back to normal or close to normal. But we don't know, man. We don't know.、Mm. And I want to say, as usual, you know, please let us open up a travel bubble to Thailand. But then I'm like, no, stop it. We gotta stay at home still. <laughs> Yeah, listen to the PAP summer. Listen mm-hmm. to the PAP. Mm-hmm. Follow the law. <laughs> Follow the law. Advertise with our in-house agency, Growth. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co/growth. And now to our top stories. Yeet. So we start off in Singapore with some horrific news.、Uh, so a teen Singapore singer says that she was sexually groomed and controlled by her former manager, and this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say men are trash. This is exactly what we mean. Oh、yeah. dear. Yeah. So a teenage African Singaporean singer has come forward with allegations that her former manager exploited her youth. So far, there has been no public response from the man subsequently identified as Adam Chung. That's right. We'll say it again. His name is Adam Chung. There's no hiding.、Mm-hmm. After 17-year-old singer Melanie Cassis, aka Kiana, took to her socials to accuse him, 11 years her senior, of making sexual advances beginning when she was 16, that's a pedophile. I'm just gonna say that right now.、Oof. But yeah, so she、uh, put out a series of tweets and also on Instagram,、um, she said, "This has been weighing on my chest for a long time, and I feel that it's the right time to speak out. I was sexually and emotionally groomed and manipulated by my former manager from when I was 15 years old." And yeah,、uh, she's now 17, which you know, we, as we all know in Singapore, I guess for those who don't know,、um, the legal age of consent is 16. But you know, again, if you are 11 years older than a 16-year-old, I'm not sure why you would be going for a 16-year-old, other than you are a freaking pedophile. Oh wow! I actually didn't know that. I thought it was still. I thought it was 18, <laughs> but but I guess、yeah. it's 16 in Singapore, huh? Yeah, it's just、oh, wow. weird to keep、yeah. reading it again. And yeah, messages sent to Chung via social media were not responded to, and Cassis also did not reply to messages seeking comment, which is totally fair. This is horrible.、Mm-hmm. So Cassis wrote that she was looking to advance her music career when she agreed to let Adam, who she had met at prior events, become her manager. So he later began frequently discussing sex and making physical advances, and though she does not specify when. She said that she eventually gave into his advances before later ending the sexual part of their relationship. And yeah, I don't know. It's just a case of this older dude who is like preying on a younger person, and it just it's just horrific to read. Like all these cases keep coming out. Oh my god. 
Yeah, and it makes you kind of wonder, you know, because obviously this is coming off of, uh, you know, Dikosh and his, like, uh, scandal. Um, alleged. That all uh-huh. this stuff is... Alleged, alleged. <laughs> that all this stuff is, like, all this stuff is coming out. And you just wonder, like, how, um, how I guess, like, often or how much uh, of this has been happening in the industry that people don't mm-hmm. even know about, you know? Because, I mean, it can't just be, like, two people i feel like you know this there's some precedent somewhere or you know things that are happening behind um closed doors or i guess yeah. closed closed phones <laughs> oh god yeah and it's like so rampant in the freaking entertainment industry and it's like uh, as consumers of the content i would say it's like horrific to keep reading about these things and i don't know do we continue to support the industry because it seems like a very kind of deep-seated problem in society itself so like how do we even even begin to like tackle this entire freaking problem yeah it's a tough one because the entertainment industry in in singapore is uh is quite diverse but it's also very very uh i think there's you know uh certain people and certain companies and certain organizations that are sort of at the at the higher uh echelons of that but Mm. you know and and you know the rest of the industry kind of like um, follow suit. So, um, yeah, you know, I think bad practices, bad behavior, unfortunately, has been uh, allowed, mm-hmm. and there needs to be some correction at some point. Um, yeah, but I mean, not to talk just about the industry, but this dude is kind of messed up, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you don't need you don't need the industry or whatever to tell you that uh, a kid is a kid, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it also starts with like holding people accountable. And that's exactly what um, Lion City Boy, who's a local rapper, his real name is Kevin mm. Lester. Uh, mm-hmm. He said that he also removed Chung, who he identified as a personal friend from upcoming shows where he was scheduled to appear. And yeah, he said an Instagram story where he said, in light of recent events over the weekend, Adam will no longer be part of my live show setup. And I do mm. not condone any of his actions and believe that he should be held accountable for what he has done. Which is great. Yeah. It's like a first step. Like, you know, you know, we we all say shit like, you know, men are trash and that's how not to be trash. It's holding your pals accountable because like, you know, I don't know, just as a woman in Singapore, it feels like I haven't spoken to another woman who hasn't had experienced some sort of sexual harassment, assault. And it's just like so horrific to read. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do better. That's I think it's just a lesson for everyone. And Hopefully, uh, yeah, this is sorted out. But I think more importantly, like, hope, hopefully, like, Kayana um, gets, you know, support as well. And, mm. and she can come out of this uh, stronger. But, I mean, very brave, obviously, that, you know, she's yeah. still very young. And I think it's very, very easy for an industry to sort of, like, you know, I think the industry has always sort of kind of swept stories like this mm. under the rug, especially in Singapore, I feel. And, oh. um, yeah, so at least for her... Uh, being brave and coming out. I think netizens have actually um, supported her and, you know, there's a lot of, like, uh, positive um, support for her. So uh, hopefully she gets the help she needs and mm-hmm. um, if she need and and there's more awareness to uh, such a behavior, uh, not just in this industry, but just generally, you know? Mm-hmm. Our next story is in Thailand where Thai cops, well, their epic Special K bus turns out to be soap. So for our listeners who don't know, there was a big drug bust in Thailand where the police found 475 sacks of ketamine. It's a party drug uh, in a warehouse east of Bangkok. 
And that's basically about 1 billion USD street value. Um, but unfortunately, after like a bunch of tests, they found out that it wasn't actually ketamine, but it was just a bunch of soap, <laughs> um, which is kind of hilarious. So because, you know, everyone was like touting um, was sort of big upping uh, the cops and how well they did to find <laughs> all these narcotics in their, you know, war, war against drugs. But then now after like being quiet for about two weeks, they found out that the alleged drugs were actually just um, soap. <laughs> oh god. That's freaking hilarious. Yeah, but I think there was there was still there was still something shady going on because the warehouse owner who was, you know, in charge of uh the drugs or so-called well, not drugs, the soap, like ran away. So they couldn't like I guess like ask him or, you know, uh find out why he was there. So <laughs> why that stuff was there. Mm-hmm. Um it was in powdered form. So I think yeah, like they didn't do any tests till. Well, they did tests like after, and then they found out that yeah, it's just run of the mill trisodium phosphate, uh, one of the compounds in in detergents. <laughs> oh my god, why did a guy so, run? I must know the whole story. Like, we need to track him down and ask him. Like, is he like, is this a guilty pleasure of sorts? Like, this dude just loves being clean, and yeah, you found a secret <laughs> shame. You stumbled upon his freaking warehouse of freaking soap yeah it's like contraband is there like pirated soap that we don't know about yeah is he just getting like the good stuff like what's the best soap out there i don't actually know but this dude doesn't want to share to be to be honest like it is the pandemic so you know it's like i wouldn't be surprised like soap soap goes underground like you know at street corners you're like want some some soap hey yo you want to get you want to get clean i got the good stuff i got the good stuff kind of comical but uh yeah i mean this is just like uh uh some of the shenanigans that happens in thailand tit as they say it this is thailand love it and over in manila poet lang Liev wants you to know she's not offended but she's amused by this internet user's jobless joke and yeah you might have heard of this writer she has gone kind of viral in like maybe 2013 and yeah she's famous mm. for her line breaks if you will and yeah, you know, the whole of Tumblr ate that up like in 2013. So yeah, it all started a few <laughs> days ago when a certain Twitter user uh, by the name of call underscore me underscore Jason, as you do on Twitter, tweeted a message that he received from a Lazada career, which went, good day. This is line break from Lazada line break. We would like to inform you line break that your parcel line break will deliver line break today. <laughs> line break. Thank you. And yeah, the humor was not lost on the netizen. And he joked that, you know, Liev is now jobless because of the career's ability to write in pseudo-poetry. And Liev thought it was amusing and tweeted back, Lang Liev found jobless after selling millions of books, which, you know, can be read as a clapback, which like kind of started this whole misunderstanding. And, you know, people were hitting back at her saying, girl, it's a joke. Do you live in a cave? Oh my God, chill. And yeah, another person wrote, girl, you're such a busy body. Oh my gosh, the internet is just like a cesspool of... I don't even so know. So harsh. Yeah, man, chill. Like, so- it's just a fun place for jokes, but now we're taking it personally and telling people to not be offended. But she wasn't. It's just that, you know, to- like, text has no tone and we're just, like, assuming what everyone's just saying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't know why, but, like, when I read it, I thought it was, like, slam poetry. <laughs> well, you know, like, yeah. Good, good day. This is from Lazada. Shh. <laughs> 
we would like. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> just with the Migos ad libs, you know, to make it all just give it that little pizzazz, but okay. Let it let it flow. Let it flow. Yeah, man, but it's like, oh my god, drama over nothing again. And it's just like, is this just the side effect of staying indoors? Is this it? Yeah. I think people are just, you know, too much too much free time, man. Too much free time to be on the net. I feel like like, you know, internet I mean, I don't know how to measure it, I guess. I mean Technically, like, even if there wasn't a pandemic, I feel like everyone would be online anyway. But mm. I think the pandemic pandemic has just, like, changed that. You know, I, I would, I would you know, be intrigued to find out, like, how much screen time people have per day. I feel like it would be something like 18 to 20 hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like, I guess we can refer to, you know, our iPhones that always give us or they always read us for filth when they tell us about, you know, our usage. <laughs> oh god yeah. yes i'm trying to make a conscious effort not to live in front of any screen try being the keyword yep <laughs> yeah trying trying and failing immediately like even as we as we do this podcast like i have three screens in front of me you know your phone <laughs> your computer your tv <laughs> oh god throw one away do it throw them all away <laughs> well we return to thailand for something Cheeky. So if you're lonely, high tourism wants to help you get some. What? So, <laughs> yeah. So if you're single and ready to mingle and hopefully, you know, with travel plans, uh, maybe opening up next year, Thailand wants you to come to Thailand to celebrate Valentine's Day. So if you're a single person, basically there are a bunch of tours that are being organized um, to get people to connect and meet each other and maybe fall in love. So the Thai Tourism Authority Booster in Chief Thanapi Kapaboon said that they're going to have a bunch of romantic tours where singles could meet and maybe fall in love. Uh, things like boat trips down the Chao Praia River, um, romance in the sky. That, that sounds kind of cool. But um, basically they want people to meet their soulmate and develop a relationship. Uh, it's it's just another way of, I guess, encouraging tourism in Thailand. And they're targeting, obviously, singles. Um, recently, the uh, Thai Tourism Authority um, did this series of holy flights, uh, mm. quote-unquote holy flights, where they brought people to over 99 sacred venues um, actually, it was a flight over the 99 sacred venue. So, Breedy's uh, just a play, uh, a way of kind of um, stimulating tourism again. And I guess if you have no plans, if you are single, and you know if uh, the borders open, and let's let's hope the borders open by February, um, mm. you can actually go to Thailand, uh, meet your special love potentially, and uh, live happily happily ever after. That's very interesting because I was just thinking about the four billion and a half conditions you kind of have to adhere to if you want to go for the special tourist visa, was it? And yeah, I was wondering <laughs> like how this matches up. So what, you got to pledge, I think, I believe it was $20,000 USD in hospital insurance before you could enter the country. And like, yeah, I, I guess if you can do that, then you can go find love in the sky with these people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it comes at a price, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you can't put a price on love, Summer. True that, true that. Withdraw all your money right now. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure this is the prelude for a lot of guys who go to Thailand. <laughs> Withdraw all your money and go to Thailand for love. 
know what? <laughs> then that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> true, true. We go over to Bali where an eight-year-old girl was left unsupervised while her sister made a TikTok video and she ends up drowning in the Bali pool. Oof. So the eight-year-old girl from Bali's Bulaleng Regency died after she slipped and fell into a swimming pool. The tragic accident reportedly occurred as her older sister left her unsupervised while making TikTok content. And okay, so this uh, happened in a villa in Tejakula district where the victim's older sister, identified as 17-year-old PDKP, rented a place for a short time with two friends to make videos which the police said was for TikTok. And yeah, according to the statement issued by Bulaleng police, the victim identified as KDJ came along and went straight to the edge of the pool once they arrived, but was initially supervised by older kids. And she was left alone not long after as PDKP and her friends left the pool area to make videos in another section of the villa. And yeah, so authorities say that PDKP's friends warned her about leaving KDJ alone by the pool, worried if the younger kid didn't know how to swim. However, PDKP reassured them that KDJ was able to swim and the group just left her unsupervised. So they just returned to the pool area after about 15 minutes to find that, you know, she was nowhere in sight. And then they found her at the bottom of the pool unconscious. And yeah, it's just oh, a really man. unfortunate accident. Yep. That's really, 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 really sad. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess my question in all of this is, you know, where are the adults? Oof. Yeah, where where are the adults? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this is just kind of a crummy, crummy story. Yeah. Downer. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's difficult for everyone, you know, like um, having kids look after kids. But yeah, I think in any scenario where you know there's height or there are there is water mm. involved, I think you know it's always there's always good danger. So yeah, hopefully uh, people are more vigilant. Yeah, man. And why are your kids in a villa? I don't know. Ah, sad, sad. Mm-hmm. Moving from Bali to Jakarta. So Instagram celebrity Milan Cyrus was arrested at a North Jakarta hotel um, by the narcotics police. Um, she was found partying with a 33-year-old man called JR. Uh, they were drinking and unfortunately they were also found with 0.36 grams of crystal meth, uh, locally known as Shabu. Now, that's obviously legal. Uh, so Millen is being a famous transgender woman, unfortunately, was actually placed um, in a male cell. Uh, mm. um, yeah, because the, the, the police claim that um, her ID still states that uh, she's male. So they have to follow uh, the identity card and she was placed in prison and uh we're still trying to find out more details but yeah it's uh it's really kind of um sad case because you know Mm -hmm. indonesia is still very much uh i would say they have a lack of legal acknowledgement for trans people Mm. and um they just weren't equipped for it and they think that she's just a guy so yeah um it's just another another case in a long string of incidents with transgender people in um indonesia so i mean i don't know it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those tricky things obviously Mm -hmm. indonesia being a muslim country where you know 
um, transgender people, um, LGBTQ people in general, um, don't get, you know, the treatment or the rights that um, other people do. So tough one, very tough one. Mm-hmm. And we move on to KL, where a rubber glove factory shuts down temporarily after 1,000 tested positive for COVID-19. And yeah, Top Glove, cool name, one of the world's largest rubber glove manufacturers has temporarily shut 28 of its factories in Malaysia after over 1,000 employees tested positive for COVID-19. <gasps> oh no. But yeah, on that day, uh, Malaysia recorded 1,884 new infections and of this, 1,060 cases were linked to several Top Glove factories along Jalan Teratai in the town of Meru in Klang. So since November 18, more than 2,000 Top Glove employees have tested positive for the virus with oh. more, like over 1,900 still pending results. So despite Oof. lockdown restrictions, Top Glove has been allowed to operate at full capacity because it is categorized as an essential service as a company makes medical products. Oh my gosh. And yeah, Top Glove has previously been accused of forcing its staff to work and live in cramped, crowded conditions without proper safe distancing despite the pandemic in June. And yeah, the company brushed off the June 2020 report by UK's Channel 4 as highly inaccurate and oof, that does not read well for you right now. Yeah, oof, this is a tough one. And yeah, it's all mostly concentrated in Klang, which is, damn, that's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's, that's in Selangor, right? In, mm. in Malaysia. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, you, you kind of wonder because this is not just an isolated case. Uh, mm. I think across the world, like there's been all these like factories, um, the glove making factories, the mask making factories mm. uh, where, you know, there's been sort of outbreaks where, yeah, the workers are not um, taken care of properly. You know, like even uh, they're like in very um, cramped, uh, mm. almost, um, you know, in super close proximity, um, small little hostels. And, and yeah, you know, it's if one person gets it and you know, they, they're not tested well, um, that's it. It spreads like wildfire. I mean, here in Singapore, obviously we know firsthand, mm. you know, a lot of our foreign workers are living in hostels. Yeah. So many of them got COVID. So I think there needs to be better measures, um, especially when you have so many people in one area, um, whether it's a essential service or not. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, they get, proper screening, proper tests, and obviously if they contract COVID-19 that they get proper treatment as well. So yeah, let's hope uh, this gets cleaned up because the last thing you want is sending gloves, contaminated gloves to uh, people around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just something real freaking weird um, about the fact that, you know, these people are really working real hard to produce these things that protect the rest of us, and they don't get the protection. Huh? Yeah, so weird. Mm-hmm. So weird. Ah, capitalism. In our top story of the week, we're going to be checking in with Hilary Leung, our Coconuts Hong Kong editor. Um, for some of you, you might know this, but for a lot of you, you won't know this. Hong Kong and Singapore had a travel bubble. I say had um, mm. because it came crashing down, or should I say... The balloon or bubble got burst. Um, so we're going to find out more about what happened and if there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel for any travel 
for Hong Kong and Singapore. Mm-hmm. Hi, Hilary. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How are things in Hong Kong? Um, things in Hong Kong are not looking great at the moment. So, we just managed—well, not just managed, but about three months ago, we managed to get our third wave under control. But um, about a week, um, week and a half ago, our numbers have been rising again. So um, today would be our third straight day of seeing new cases number in the 80s, which oh we haven't we haven't seen numbers like this in a while because um, basically after we got our third wave under control in like early August, things have been relatively calm, but. Um, yeah, just over the past week, the past week and a half, we've had a huge new cluster breakout in the dance studios. So yeah, things are, are not going so well for Hong Kong at the moment. Oh gosh, yeah. I guess for our listeners who who don't really know, like uh, maybe you can let us know about what what's actually been happening in Hong Kong because you guys have yeah, you said third wave. Um, so it's been like since the pandemic, like sort of. I guess like hit fever pitch like early in the year, the first quarter of the year. What has actually been happening in Hong Kong? Maybe you can take us through um, all the different craziness. <laughs> yeah, sure. So Hong Kong sort of didn't really hit fever pitch at the same time as all the other countries around the world. So when our outbreak began in late January, our cases were still relatively low, and in March, I think.、Um, The highest number of cases we had in a day were still fewer than 100, and most of them were imported cases. And so it was only in late July, early August, where we saw our,、um, where we sort of saw the outbreak go out of control.、Um, and yeah, we had cases number in the hundreds in our third wave. Things calmed down, but now it's getting a little bit worse again. Oh man. The end is not in sight. No, not at all.、Um, and yeah, and throw in like a, a couple protests、uh, in between, right? Yeah. Well,、um, uh, our protests have actually sort of died down a little bit、um, since、uh, the national security law was passed, and、mm. so we have not seen、um, sort of the same scale of protests that we saw last year. Not even close. One because of the law, and two because of the virus. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure now with the law and the bars getting worse, I don't think we're gonna see any street demonstrations anytime soon. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I guess like good and bad, right? For that.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we wanted to talk to you about the big news in Singapore.、Uh, obviously, Hong Kong was the first country that was supposed to be part of a travel bubble between Hong Kong and Singapore, and vice versa.、Um, but unfortunately. That bubble, no pun intended or pun intended, has burst. Yeah. Okay. So, Hillary, can you tell us about what on earth has happened here, and what is a travel bubble, and why is there like a whole bunch of like balloon litter on the floor? <laughs> sure, sure. So,、um, yeah, as been mentioned,、um, Hong Kong and Singapore entered a what some might call like maybe a historic agreement within you know this slow、mm-hmm. return to travel. Um, in Asia, at least, there has there haven't been any cities or countries enacting these types of、um, travel bubbles that would allow quarantine-free 
travel. So this was sort of a milestone um, for our region, uh, but also a milestone that never came to be because there was a very sharp increase in cases over the past week, week and a half in Hong Kong. And so this um, balloon um, garland in the Hong Kong International Airport was very quickly taken down in the form of all the bubbles being burst and just littered to the ground in quite a dramatic manner. Dramatic indeed. Like this is such a great metaphor for like, I don't know, maybe the year 2020 in general, like just having this beautiful like arch being put up and immediately taken down. And I don't know, just the photos of the litter on the floor everywhere. It's just, you know what, balloon litter, I feel you. I feel every single piece of you. (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly a very apt metaphor. Yeah. And I don't know, how do you feel about this travel bubble kind of, you know, being postponed maybe for two weeks? Well, uh, do you think it's like safe enough for this to proceed? Um, I feel like the travel bubble is going to be postponed past this two weeks um, mm-hmm. because the situation in Hong Kong is not looking very optimistic. Mm. Um, and at least in Hong Kong, I would say that there wasn't too much excitement to begin with, like in regards mm-hmm. to this travel bubble. Because I'm not sure, you know, what the sentiment is like in Singapore, but <laughs> in Hong Kong, Singapore just isn't really our, you know, travel destination of choice. <laughs> right. If you ask Hong Kong, right, they would much prefer, say, a travel bubble with Thailand or with mm. Japan, which are more commonly associated with being um, like a shopping or an eating paradise. Mm-hmm. So um, Singapore is just not quite up there. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I would say that there wasn't a huge reaction to the travel bubble being burst because just not a lot of people were very excited about it in the first place, so to speak. I feel like they're very similar, like Hong Kong and Singapore. Like the kind of things that you can kind of do are probably kind of the same. I guess yeah. maybe may, maybe Hong Kong is like more, you know, like I guess it's more opportunity for Singaporeans like in Hong Kong, you know. I was quite surprised. Like just like you, I thought maybe the first place would be Thailand. Mm. Yeah, that's what we'd hoped, I guess, but that didn't pan out. Same. I know that every single Singaporean in the country is like dying to go to Thailand, me included. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was real funny that like Singaporeans were all running to freaking get tickets to Hong Kong. And like, I think the first few planes were absolutely sold out. And I think economy seats, which do not usually reach this level, went up to like maybe a thousand Singapore dollars for a seat. And I was like, what? Yeah, oh there clearly wasn't that same level of enthusiasm from our side. I think mm-hmm. another thing is, um, um, like Singapore is sort of known for being kind of expensive and mm. sort of just like dull a little bit, I guess. And also because yep. of the, um, you know, recent protest movement, there's been a lot of, you know, criticism about Singapore being very autocratic and like a fake mm. democracy, pro-China. Mm. So. There, there's that reputation now. So I think that, you know, sort of contributed to the lack of enthusiasm for a travel bubble in Singapore. Makes sense. And no offense taken at all, by the way. <laughs> it's just like fun to see like on this side, like every Singaporean is just like, I don't know. It just seems that if I can pull it, put it like uh, in the most blunt way, we're all just dying to go somewhere and anywhere. Yeah. And yeah, of yeah. course, we go to Hong Kong for the egg tarts. So <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no one's going for any egg tarts anytime soon. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> All of us are just deflated balloons on the floor right now. Exactly. <laughs> not not just right now, man. Like the whole year. 
We're all just like balloons with no air and no aim. <laughs> Do you know why there is like a third wave? Like, what was? Is it just people not following protocol, or was there like you know um, new um, you know sort of uh, people that brought in the virus? Like, what what was the reason? Yeah, so um, this is actually our fourth wave, not our third wave. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no worries. But um, so at the moment, I haven't really seen any experts sort of uh, come out with um, very sharp analysis as to why we're getting this fourth wave. Um, shortly after the third wave began, um, experts started talking about how um, quarantine exceptions for uh, business travelers from mainland China might have been to blame, but uh, for this first uh, for this fourth wave, we haven't really heard experts come out with you know like a sort of criticizing one particular policy. I don't think it's because we've let down our guard because Hong Kong is still is still very cautious overall that you know that this virus is a big deal and that you know maybe it's just better to stay home and and lay low for a while. But um, bars have reopened, clubs have reopened, um, and our streets are getting busier. So maybe that's that's a factor in um, contributing to our new outbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, I guess, like a, a, a warning for, I guess, the rest of the world as well. You know, like I feel sometimes, you know, once you start um, this transition process into sort of some sort of normalcy, there's a tendency to maybe drop your guard a little bit and that's when boom, um, yeah like you're in more danger I feel mm-hmm, yeah exactly okay Hillary what do you think is going to happen or what do you want to happen for Hong Kong in the next I don't know few months foreseeable future I don't know <laughs> well um, I and I think the whole of Hong Kong wants the virus to just disappear and for life to go back <laughs> to normal but clearly that is not um, that is not happening in our near future Mm-hmm. Um, I think realistically speaking, we might see numbers um, continue to go up and we might see more restrictions. So mm-hmm. at the moment, um, uh, at the moment, bars and nightclubs are closed, but mm-hmm. restaurants are still operating as normal. Um, schools are still open as normal um, for primary three and up. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the government um, implementing even stricter restrictions to keep the outbreak under control. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, thank you, Hilary, for the update. I know it's a little bit of a downer, but uh, yeah, like like you, I think we all hope like you know at least the virus gets under control or vaccines are uh, readily available soon, and that everyone can kind of get back to some sort of normalcy or new normalcy as they as they uh, call it so yeah thank you again for the check-in yeah thank you for having me and i think what you described is basically our our christmas wish for things to go back to normal so (laughs) let's hope it does all of ours thank you hillary thank you thank you you. take care you too Well, we didn't mean to burst your bubble, but that's how the way it goes. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope like airlines put that out as, you know, a 
press release statement because if you don't, that's the missed opportunity. I'm just saying free marketing advice. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, that was real insightful. And I thought it was hilarious that, you know, uh, people from Hong Kong are actually not hyped about coming to Singapore, but Singaporeans are like, no, where the hell will I get my egg tarts now? Buy them from bakeries here. You're out of your damn mind. I can't believe this. <laughs> but it is kind of true, right? Like mm. I always, you know, like, Hong Kong and Singapore aren't that different, I feel. Like, I mean, mm. city-wise, you know. Yeah. Um, obviously, food. Um, I do love Hong, Hong Kong food. Mm. So that might be the only thing. But, um, yeah, I can I can see how, you know, honkies are not enthused about coming to Singapore. I, mean, I was really surprised when that was mm. first announced. Like, why Hong Kong? That's kind of weird. Like, yeah. that's the first. Yeah, especially since they, they had cases then. They weren't, like... Uh, you know, it wasn't as though like everything was gone, uh, or maybe it was. I don't know. Like I, when they decided, I guess maybe maybe there's a small window where the cases were like super low. And I'm like, okay, let's make the bubble now. Um, yeah, this felt like very you know the the, the travel bubbles mostly for Singaporeans, those that are dying to drink milk tea and go to Chanel in Hong Kong. I don't know. It feels <laughs> that's the general feeling I get. Like as a person yeah. who doesn't, it's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> A no quarantine travel bubble. Yeah. I mean, that would have been just uh, trouble, to be honest, mm-hmm. like if that had happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, the fourth wave or whatever wave it is um, gets sorted out and um, they're good to go. So that was a good catch up from Hillary. Always good to hear my editors and hearing the news and stories from on the ground. That's mm-hmm. always like a good, <laughs> a good check in. So. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy our fresh merch at the Coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities, Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Summer Lee and Vim Shanmugam. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Rainer Lindley.